Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Post-nasal drip becomes a bronchial, super collider, miasma of horribleness. And then it's like a horrific dry cough for about a week, which um, forces me almost to pass out every time <laughs> I cough. Because the blood pressure runs from my head so hard. And if I make it through that, usually through a liberal dose of steroid, um, then the the desert, you know, arrakis inflammation starts to chill. And then it simply becomes wet coffee up, you know, Dagobah type sludge. <laughs> Hello, Scott Johnson here. I sat down a couple of times with video game legend Chris Metzen before. Back then, we talked about Blizzard Entertainment. We talked about retirement, creativity, the challenges of anxiety and imposter syndrome, a whole bunch of stuff. And between now and then, Chris was kind enough to be a part of the World of Warcraft Q&A panel that I hosted last year at BlizzCon. And I think you could say pretty safely that he helped make that panel a hit. Next up, next question. Oh! All right, so, Mr. Johnson, I have, I have two questions. And Alliance, I, I don't want to offend you. The first question is, Horde, where are you at? Well, today we talk again, and despite both of us having nasty colds, as you heard Chris describe earlier, we're starting off a new multi-episode series of interviews between me and Chris Metzen. In this series, we go a little deeper, everything from real-world parallels between the games and the themes he helped develop and his own personal life to internal struggles to find the real Chris and what finding peace means to him. You'll even get some great background on some of your favorite Blizzard games and characters. In particular, we hit on some Thrall, Kerrigan, and Diablo 3 details I did not expect that might shine some light on questions we've all had. So, enjoy this series. I know I did. Welcome back, Mr. Chris Metzen. What's going on, sir? Hello. Hey, super nice having you back. It's nice to be back. Thank you for having me. Well, the pleasure is mine and ours. When I say ours, the listeners, and I wanted to kind of bring them up for a second. They have been kind of nonstop. Well, we've done this. We've done a few interviews over over the last few years, and the last two in particular were designed to be, you know, heard in, I think, a a more meaningful way than the previous ones. The previous ones were always, always sort of, hey, we're covering the business of a thing or, you know... There's a product to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And it was less about you and more about what you were making and what we wanted to talk about and that sort of thing. But the last two have very much been about Chris Metzen and in a more broad way about 
some of the things you've faced in your life, had to sort of overcome. Some of it we've just touched on. Other stuff was uh, perhaps a little deeper. But I'm telling you, nonstop, constant feedback about those episodes, all in the positive. And um, I guess I've told you that, but I don't know if I've really told you that. Like, they- you know, you've 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 mentioned it. You know, we've texted back and forth, and mm-hmm. and it, it's always weird to hear, right? Because you know. It's like I spent so long, um, you know, repping for Blizzard. You know, you just you talk about the product, and oftentimes I wanted to be very candid about, you know, kind of how we were doing or how we were building the product, and just be open, open book about it all. Um, so those last couple of interviews were interesting in terms of not representing. <laughs> blizzard i'm just this civilian right so it's a little weird exercising like my own opinions <laughs> you know outside of being that guy you know um are you surprised are you surprised guy. by the response like the the just the sheer positivity that seemed to roll out I, of those interviews? yeah dude totally you know it's it's um it's cool this is gonna sound ridiculous but it's it's cool just to be able to to talk. I know how ridiculous that sounds, but just so often, I don't know, you know, in your life, your professional life, I mean, you, you talk all the time, like your, your job is to, you know, kind of communicate and then specifically the way you do it and the way you've built your show, um, over time is, you know, you go out of your way to communicate and, and, and do so in a, in a soulful way and, and really engage with people and try and dig under the surface of whatever the topical thing might be at any given time, you, you know, especially for, for me, you you know, having been a kind of a corporate officer for so long, like I couldn't really push my opinions about things or because it wasn't about me. It's not, you know, it's about the, you know, it's about the whatever game at the time or, you know, whatever story we're working on. And so, so the last couple of interviews with you have been actually, were really fun, you know, just in terms of um, being able to be a little bit more of myself and just yap away and, ultimately the response from that, um, as you said, you know, was pretty positive, you know, people going, Whoa, that, that guy too, you know, like I, I feel like that sometimes, or I've had that going on in my life. And, um, like it was kind of affirming, I guess, in a way to people. And I guess to me, there's a really cool circuit there. You know, it's, it's good to engage. It's good to speak your truth. It's good to just be real with people. Um, and for that to be appreciated and accepted is really amazing. You know, it makes you feel, makes me feel, I don't know, you know, gotten. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Sure. No, I get that. I understand exactly. Like, I mean, I think that perhaps the appeal of the first couple of interviews or these recent interviews were the the fact that they're used to seeing you as dude on stage, hot new thing. Here's the trailer. Everyone go nuts. Hoard where you at. You know, <laughs> like up and down that thing. And then right. and, and they see that and they, you know, and you come back out on stage with a different jacket on and, and they bind that magic. And it's cool. There's nothing wrong with any of it. It's just that it's easy to build in your mind what you think this guy is and sure. not who he really is or or who he is outside of that. It's not that you aren't those things that you don't have that passion or that passion wasn't real. Of course, it was real. But there's more to you than that. Yeah, it wasn't the whole whole giddy up you know and and that that's what fascinates me in general about like like people kind of i watch or if watch is the term you know people who who kind of build product that i really dig that i kind of tune into here i'm always fascinated by that like like how people really tick you know just behind the veneer of i don't know how to put it their business mode Mm-hmm. their mode of delivering the thing and evangelizing the thing just behind that I, I always assume it's just some tired person that's going home to crash you know that's just burned all their energy and um 
I'm just fascinated by that kind of thing. You know, you know what a musicians do when they crash after the gig. It's not. Uh, it's probably not surprising. Like everyone always likes to make fun that Keith Richards looks like he's a thousand and five. You know. <laughs> Part of that I know is, you know, partying and drinking and a, and a young life full of nonstop, whatever. Sure, whatever. But I, but some of that has to be just... Bleeding your lifeblood out on a stage, yeah. you know, 100 nights a year for 50 years. For, your, for most of your life. Like, how they're all alive still is, is, a, is, a, uh, yeah. is a weird thing. A miracle thing. of science. <laughs> right, it really is. And so, I, mean, I don't know why I was thinking of that, except... I heard Mick Jagger was sick the other day, and I thought, that does that ever happen? Is like that exactly? That's well, thing. Oh no! Oh no! What does that mean? You know, yeah, that's pretty weird. But I think yeah. that there's a similar thing. But it was unique in the it was unique in the business of video games. Like I don't think anybody would disagree with me on this. There are very few. There were very few iconic personas in our realm of interest, like you were, and that can't. What we I think what we learned from the last couple of interviews is that comes with some baggage. It comes with some some heavy weights to it. You know, it's not all. How do I put it? Like they they don't get to see the 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 hard bits. They just see the stage bits and and the interview bits and the video and the good documentary and the whatever. Sure. And but they they're all kind of bits by design, right? Right. Like, right. Not that they're not true. Um, they're just they're cultivated they're carefully structured curated moments yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which is again uh, something we all look at and go oh that was so rad what chris did on stage today or whatever what those interviews did is peeled that back a little bit and let us right. see more of the real person and also just remind people i think i mean the big value for me was just a nice reminder that everybody's a multi-layered complicated onion and we got a lot of skins <laughs> and right you know, you are as complicated as any of us and, and vice versa. And it was, I mean, I felt like I kind of already knew this given our friendship, but it was fun to share that with the world in a way that wasn't, it didn't feel exploitative or I don't know, like. Yeah, it's it was, it just kind of, I don't know that either of us had like, like a pre-expectation at all of how that jam would go other than, um, you know, we've, we've enjoyed talking in the past. Um, and it just seemed like an interesting time to kind of reconnect and yap, um, because I think that first one was what, like, um, wasn't quite a year after I had retired, right? It was, yeah. A little closer, like maybe six, seven, eight months or something after something like that. Yeah. It just seemed like an interesting time to, I don't know, you know, kind of check in and yap and, and the way that discussion, um, took shape was pretty if memory serves like pretty organic like it it was a good honest you know uh chat um and it surprised me i remember uh, i remember getting off the phone with you going whoa you know <laughs> um there's always that that kind of feeling of like i said earlier it's one thing to represent you know a company and it's just it's not personal right you talk about the thing and um and sometimes you can make it personal but it's always relative to the to the thing mm -hmm. and so in a way that it's safe so with that interview that we had done where i talked a lot about the anxiety and the imposter syndrome and all that stuff that was like i said a, what felt like a very organic conversation but it was kind of not safe and I, I i i wondered uh when we were done and when we hung up the phone i went holy cow what yeah what's the response what gonna do? be yeah. what did i just say mm -hmm. um what does that just mean mm. what have i done and there was a bit of not not that i'm worried about being you know judged or whatever whatever i'm you know <laughs> that's a hell that's a hell of a lot of truth to release into the world and i hadn't thought that through at all. And so like you were saying, like the, the idea that, you know, many people heard it and went, whoa, 
you know, that and it meant something in the telling and it meant something to hear it. And it gave people a little bit of perspective or a little bit of context and it, and, and other people that are dealing with similar issues. It gave them a little bit of like, wow, I don't feel so, so much like a Martian, you know, like, you know, at least this other guy feels like I do. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. And for whatever worry I might have had about, wow, what did I just say? It was cool that that was the response confirming in a way that in the in the meta like not just for myself this is something i i believe about people but i think when we whoever we are right when we open up and and share our truth and share kind of what makes us tick especially when we feel when we're not at our sunday best right yeah, yeah. You know. Especially when it's not all that comfortable, that's where things get real, and that's where I think you, you connect with people and hearts and minds. And I kind of did ever, did ever hit you about that that line from uh, so I love the movie Almost Famous. Mm. Um, oh, interesting. No, so we think, have not talked know, about Almost Famous we before. We haven't talked about Almost Famous. Mm -hmm. So Philip Seymour Hoffman is playing Lester Banks, right? Who was yeah. this DJ slash writer, you know, Hunter Thompson type dude in the '70s, and he was a, a rock journalist. And this guy was just talk about quotable. Mm -hmm. This guy would just really uh, you know, just, just amazing power of language. Anyway, in this scene, you know, the kids, you know, getting roughed up by the, you know, the machinery of, of rock and roll. And he calls Lester Bangs in the dead of night. And so Hoffman's character, he's got this line and I have to paraphrase. I don't remember it exactly, but it's like you know, the only real equity in this world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. <laughs> and you'd have to have the context of the scene. The joke is, and you are very, very uncool. <laughs> you know, I've met you. You're very uncool. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest. When we, you know, in, in our, God, how would I put it? It all sounds so dramatic, you know, but in our little fears, in our moments of doubt, in our moments of weakness and all the things that we do not talk about or do not want people to know about, the things we hide, mm. in those moments where we choose not to mm. and we uh, fess up and are upfront with, you know, these moments in life where we're just not fucking cool mm -hmm. and maybe cool is a very broad word, that's when real connectivity can occur, right? We're not selling our best self. It's not, you know, Facebook or all these other contrivances. It's when we're honest and talking about the things we worry about most or the things we feel ashamed about or, or whatever it is, right? Like that's living. The real stuff happens. So I, I believe that about life. And I've seen that be true in my experience um, over the years for sure. But it did kind of surprise me that that wound up being what occurred in that transaction, right? Like when we jammed that time, I, I didn't know I was going to say all that. We didn't really have a, we didn't have a big outline for, hey, this is going to be where Chris spills a lot of personal right. stuff or any of that. Right. It just sort of, it just kind of, I mean, do you think you needed that? Because you were just off of this, you know, high intensity sunlight on you all the time kind of kind of job for many 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 years it's time to make a big change and move and you had just made that change an enormous change in your life i mean my theory is that we as people sometimes need a place to just dump like just go and maybe you just hadn't had that yet i mean i, I, I don't oh, want to put words so in your mouth but what interesting do you dude i i really hadn't thought of it like that at all so i'm trying to compute that but that makes a lot of sense to me um as we're talking today maybe i did dude maybe i needed to just kind of bleed it and it's not like i was bleeding out of it but it was like 
you know, I wasn't bitching and moaning. I, I don't think, I don't remember. I don't think I was bitching and moaning no. about the job or, you know, blah, blah, blah. What was me? It wasn't, I don't remember it being it that. that. I don't think no. it was that. None of that. But just needing to share and, and maybe cathartically, you know, excise some of that, some of that tension that had just been there, you know, and I think life at that point had done a lot of that, but maybe there's something about saying it out loud. Maybe there's something about words and exercising ideas out of yourself, you know, to someone else, you know, um, maybe there's something about that kind of transaction. That's very freeing and, um, unhindering. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's true of me. I mean, it's funny. People say, well, how did you get all this out of him? And my answer to that is I don't think I, I did other than this is, or I guess I should say, I've always tried to make everything I make has this tinge to it, a openness or a place to sort of people can just let themselves go. There's no stringence uh, or stringent adherence to any sort of crazy rules or, um, you know, decorum or any of that. I'm a big believer. Well, my dad used to say true character is you being the same in public as you are in person. And so oftentimes you get me with all the goofy and all. And I think that platform as currently curated and you being at that point of your life career. It's kind of a perfect... uh yeah, perfect storm without the wave that yeah. kills everybody at the end. <laughs> all right. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. and so in a way you were just able to come over here and just, you know, blow thoughts all over the place and just <laughs> let it stick. But you know, That's like really funny. Tear, to just to just to rip it out, lay it out and go, all right, there it is. Yeah. And let's poke at it and look at like it. It kind of felt like that, right? Like it was just you know, like this like stream of is like this stream of life, you know, and, and I didn't realize that stream of life was going to, you know, pop that day. Uh, but there it was. There it yeah. was. Yeah. I bring that up because I think some of these, I mean, I don't want to make you feel weird or anything, but I heard from some people who said that the interviews and your, and specifically things you said about imposter syndrome, about feeling the intensity of anxiety as an adult and trying to make sense of that and, you know, big changes in your own personal life, that sort of stuff. That came to me and said, um, I don't know if he knows this, but he probably saved me. Some of these people, you know, were on the verge of some rough decisions and turned another way. And I, I don't want that. I don't want to let that just go because I think that's a that's a big deal, uh, especially in a society and a time where we are just on fire all the time about everything. And sometimes all it takes is just a small kindness from somebody to, to, yeah. to turn you slightly in a different trajectory. And I think you did that maybe without even knowing it at the time. Certainly, I wasn't thinking well, of totally, that. Well, totally without knowing it. Yeah. And I and I know of at least a couple of cases of people whose, whose lives are in a better direction because they heard this something clicked and they went oh well if he can do that i can do that like these this is someone i admire and like and have followed for all these years and just assumed that everything's perfect and it's not well then why would i think it would be for me and you know like they just found this right. this other way I guess, and i guess you never know right you never know the the you know especially you know that the, the power of our words as they go out you know um um, and really, it's more than the words. It's just being being present and honest. You know, the the power of your heart and intention. You know, mm-hmm. beaming out as as you know, you do this every day. You know, like it used to kind of be a thing that terrified me. In terms of, I remember, uh, I'm I'm certain that I t- 
shared this story with you, but it was somewhere um, in the, maybe it was the middle of Wrath of the Lich King and I'm, I'm on the phone with the reporter and there's a live microphone in the middle of the table and, you know, we're talking about the story. We're, you know, the game's a few months out and we're doing the, the pre-press for everything and the, the microphone in the middle of the table was kind of, it was uh, a new microphone, but it looked kind of like a, an old radio show antique Oh, I love you know, those. Yeah. Uh, one of those vibes. You know, it was kind of this little stand, just completely awesome looking mic. For whatever the reason, I'm staring at this mic and I'm in the middle of my, you know, soliloquy or whatever. And it just, it floors me in a way that it never had before. That not only am I sitting in front of a live microphone, what am I saying? Right. <laughs> but that in, in so many ways, whether it's World of Warcraft or War Three before that or whatever before that, in a way, all these years, I've been sitting in front of a live microphone through these products, broadcasting ideas out um, across the world, you know, to to China and Russia, Korea, you know, you know, mm-hmm. Brazil, you know, you know, places in the world that you know where I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know people, I don't know the language. What have I been saying? Oh my God, what have I been saying? How long? You know, <laughs> How long has this mic been on? And it was this really weird kind of out of body kind of moment. And it it terrified me. You know, we, we, we did the interview and it was fine. But just this weird rattled sense of what have I, you know, through the, the push of these ideas or these stories or whatever, what have I been saying? And, 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 and I think a couple steps back, like, I don't know, maybe nothing too gnarly or whatever, you know, video games in their narrative and all, you know, it can be somewhat limited. But it definitely gave me pause. And it made me really begin to appreciate kind of the power of our words and ideas and how they kind of beam out and how people, you know, might be receptive or how, how it can make people think one way or another. It's it's I don't know. I go I have this with other things, but I'm curious when you're working on a when you were working on a game and you were putting your heart and soul into a character or a story arc or a, um, an archetype even just just to sort of say, all right, well, this dude is brave and he's brave beyond words and he'll do right. whatever it takes to help his friends. Like, let's say that that's you find that a lot in a lot of the characters that you would work with and, and, and write for and so on. I wondered or I've always wondered this of a lot of creators, but I wondered if if that wasn't you saying, here's the medium I'm in. This is where I work. I'm making a living, but also I'm trying to say stuff for myself. I'm trying to make a voice. I'm trying to I'm trying to make a difference. I'm trying to say things that will last. I'm going to try to do it here. And at the end of the day, you get this feeling of like, it doesn't matter how well I did, how amazing that cinematic was, how incredibly, uh, how incredibly satisfying the end result of that story may have been. At the end of the day, it was a video game. And is that enough? I don't know if this is making sense, but I, do you know what I mean? Oh, like dude, you're trying it, it, to use your craft in that way. Like I'm sure comic artists feel this way. I'm sure filmmakers feel this way. Right. They want so bad through right. their medium of, of skill or choice right. to say something meaningful and impactful that stays and lasts like a crater in the ground. Right. And then sometimes you look at what you're actually doing. For me, it's you know podcasts and, and other content. And I asked the same question. It's that sounds like what you're saying. How do I respond to that? You you hit that really well. Uh, <laughs> uh, how do I respond to that? I think I think you're exactly right. And I think having been out of it for a few years, I think it's it's uh, in a week or so. It's going to be exactly three years um, since you know I was working day to day. How crazy is that? Yeah. Which feels like a hundred years ago in so many ways. Um, but the more per, uh, the more distance I get on those days and those years, I think what you're talking about was absolutely true. I think, especially in you know, let's say the. 
It's really not. But the, especially the first 10 years, ironically, I wanted to say the most and ultimately benefit from this transaction you're talking about, which is I think it's inherent in, you know, all artists, all creative people that ultimately we do what we're doing because we want to engage and be engaged. We want to be seen and understood, you know, grokked, you know, and made to feel that we have value in the seeing you know, in, in the engagement. And, and it is very much a process, the science, the art of, I don't know, I, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I, this, my instinct is that it, it is very much the ebb and flow of identity and self-view and self-esteem. You know, it, it is inherent in the process of creativity and engagement, whether you're a songwriter or uh, a screenwriter, a director, a whatever. You're ultimately spinning parts of yourself out into the world to be judged and ultimately to come back like a boomerang, either positive or negative, and ask any two-year-old, even negative, you know, attention is attention, right? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it is this calculus of identity. Um, and that sounds real hard-edged. Um, I don't mean it to in, in a good light. It's, it's, it makes real beautiful music. All the best art in the world. I don't think it starts off as someone wanting to sell product or just you know, build, you know, build something. I think it starts off as a longing or a need to communicate. And I think that was very true in my case. And it's weird because I'm not just a songwriter sitting in you know, my garage with a four track and a guitar, you know, that's, that's one thing that's honest enough, you know, someone just plucking away and writing a pretty lyric that someone wants to hear again and again, you know, my job was to, you know, wallpaper gameplay with fanciful ideas and, 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 uh, the truth of that for the first, you know, at least the first 10 of those years was it is absolutely secondary to, you know, the fun gameplay, you know, mechanic, you know, whether it's, isometric R R RTS or whether it's, you know, you know, whatever type of game it is, the, the, the story and context and characters and all that stuff was definitely there to serve the more mechanical bits um, of the gameplay. Did you feel like you were always trying to um, not, not, not supersede that and change the rules or anything? I don't mean that, but to say, all right, well, fine. It's it's there to serve the gameplay, but I am going to do everything in my creative soul to make it so that you remember this story. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That was the mission. That was the mission every day. Um, I will do everything possible to maximize these impressions, these ideas, these uh, you know feelings, and make damn well sure that you've had the most not only the funnest, you know, kind of tactical, you know, tactile um, experience you've had, um, but also make it as emotionally charged and imaginative as it could be. And in the process of that over the years, I, I think just kind of growing up at Blizzard, you know, if I started when I was 19 or 20 and just going through life, you know, um, while doing that work, you know, my experience was up and down and, you know, finding great loves and losing great loves and, you know, becoming, oh God, I can go on forever, you know, just, you know becoming a dad and, and just the different, you know, the different modes of, of life you get into, like every bit of that, you know, kind of changed me, changed who I was. And, and ultimately it changes the things you're trying to express through the art. You've said in the past that, um, I mean, this may be jumping ahead a little, I don't want to do that, but when we, we've had conversations before about the transition from Lich King to Cataclysm to Miss of Pandaria, and a lot of people joke, <laughs> it's like, hey, didn't Metzen get divorced during uh, Cata, and didn't he find uh, Cat during the other one, and was, isn't that, ha, isn't that funny? And I thought, 
It seems like there might be something to it. And then you kind of confirmed that once, but I'm, do we, let's talk about that a little bit. I think that'd be an interesting connection to what you're just saying. Like in those phases, you seem to have been going, going through a lot, some of which I don't even know what it is, but tell me about that some and, and how they, how they coincided. Cause I think that's fascinating. Which king to cataclysm. Holy cow. Um, those, uh, uh, where to, and I'm trying to get it clear in my head where to start. Well, we're going to leave it there. I know it's a bit of a cliffhanger, but hey, that's kind of the point. <laughs> Come on back for part two, where we go deep into the parallels between the games he was making and the life he was living. That's next on this series of interviews with me, Scott Johnson, and Chris Metzen. We'll see you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.